Now, get ready to talk hockey. Streaming from the Oilers Live Studio. Subscribe or follow today. Hey, 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 it's Oilers Live on the drive home today. My name is Michael, also known as Oilers Live, and I've got my trusty Don't Call Me sidekick dash in the park to take our new listeners and our regulars home tonight. Our live show on EdmontonSportsTalk.com, of course, is special thanks to Dustin Nielsen, Matt Iwanek, Tom Gazzola, and Lieutenant Eric, and the rest of the crew at Edmonton Sports Talk, the best of the Edmonton sports scene. Heavy Hockey Live at Night regularly airs on Tuesdays with Oilers Live, which is Dash and myself. Then get your fantasy hockey fix on Wednesday nights. That's tonight, 9 p.m. Mountain. We're going to have Devin, Bruce, Tyler, and John, and guests. They're collectively known as the Fantasy Hockey Hacks. Now, before we start tonight and we drill into some of what's been happening with the Oilers, a couple of housekeeping items for any of you new listeners or old listeners tonight. There's a live chat that occurs on our YouTube channel. You can interact at www.youtube.ca slash heavy hockey as well. Please give a subscribe while you're there. And all of this is brought to you by the Heavy Hockey Network. Uh, which is uh, which can be found at www.heavyhockey.com. Let's make it count tonight. How you doing, Dash? Doing good, buddy. Doing good. We're looking for 200 likes on this uh, YouTube episode, just like Dusty was with Eric this morning. The drive to 200. So the by drive. that, I mean 20. And if we get there, I'll be pretty impressed. So no, good to be here, buddy. I uh, I'm having fun and you know, I think that's pretty rare today in, in Edmonton world. Uh, not sure if you noticed from Halifax, but there's a tire <laughs> fire and the city's burning down around us here. So yeah, I might've heard a little bit of something about it. Might've <laughs> might some stuff going on with the Oilers, I guess. So, I, uh, a little bit going Sure. On. We'll talk about it. Yeah. So, uh, quite tonight, last night, uh, in the NHL for the Oilers, of course, uh, playing against the, uh, Minnesota wild, uh, Oilers led most of the game up until, uh, what was it? Third period was the change, I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it finished off the game seven to four. Uh, and what I, you know, was an important game, a non Connor McDavid game, an important game for the Oilers, maybe not must win territory yet, but, um, still, uh, would have been nice to hold on to a win there. Lots of different things happening. I know, uh, there's something you're going to talk about tonight that you've been, uh, looking into, and so we'll talk about that. Just all sorts of uh, problems and challenges. But overall, if we could have ended the game after two periods, how'd you feel about the Oilers? <laughs> I didn't feel a lot different than I felt about them earlier in the season. Honestly, like I think yeah. it's just been a bit of a a bit of a pattern, um, but an inconsistent pattern. I don't know. It, it, it reminded me the most. You know, I said this when I was on the couch and watching last night. At the end of the second period, it reminded me of Game Two versus Vancouver. That's what I was really getting flashbacks of. You know, there was mm-hmm. these flashes of dominance and um, parts of the game where we were dominating and, and doing really well at. But you know, like the past Oilers, I feel like you know when Oilers be Oilers, and it's usually death by a thousand cuts in years past. You know, there's these little mistakes and things that add up and. Like, Michael, these haven't been death by a thousand cuts, these mistakes. These have been, like, full-blown death by accidental self-inflicted gun wound. Like, this is, <laughs> right? Like, these are well, they, they've been finding a way mistakes. to lose, right? Right. Finding a yeah, way oh, to lose. Yeah. yeah. Well, they're certainly yeah. not finding ways to win at this point. And like you said, I, I get a you know, third-period goal. So, that's big. This entire season. Yeah. We got one. 
and it was a vendor game. Maybe that's yep. the maybe that's the turning point. <laughs> Polishes off the Gordie Howe hat trick and gives us our third period goal. And you know, like that's maybe the only positive thing that comes out of last night's game was the play of Evander Kane. And um, you know, compared to the way it was for the first five games, it, it was certainly an improvement. He was starting to give me flashes of washed up Lucic at times, and I know that reference has been made a lot, yeah. but yeah, it, it applies. You know, like that power forward at the end of his curve and. And I'm not saying that's where Kane is. It's just what it was starting to give me glimpses of. And and last night, you know, at least showed that he's willing to be a good teammate and contribute on all areas of the score sheet. And ultimately, I don't know what you thought of his comments after the game before. I, I didn't hate it. So, like, you no, know, it didn't, I mean, was he trying to be a smartass and funny to the media? Yeah, he probably was. But it's a good place to start. Let's talk about Evander Kane. Uh, you know, agreed. I didn't have a problem with his comments uh, the night before. In fact. You know what? I love it because I've, you know, I was always, I've always been a fan of Evander Kane's skill level. Like, there's no doubt the guy can play the game uh, right, you know, from junior on up, right? I remember watching him in Buffalo and I had a friend, uh, not Jeff Aid, but another friend that's a big Sabres fan, believe it or not. And there's more than one. So <laughs> there's a couple. He, uh, you know, we would we would go, we'd watch, we'd go to the Sabres games when they were in Edmonton or in Calgary. And and I remember watching Evander Kane up close and he just didn't look like he wanted to be there. Like he didn't want to play. He looked disinterested. And the only thing that got him by was pure talent, right? That was the only thing. In fact, it, you know, if you looked at his uh, body language uh, among his teammates, he wasn't fighting. He wasn't doing anything uh, particularly special. Uh, but for Just the first... Boughlin. Yeah, yeah, exactly, right? Yeah, and so so here's the thing is that, um, you know, you, um, you go, you come to Edmonton, and that's one of the things we worry about when he gets here, right, is, is the guy going to be a good team player? And I think the other night he showed exactly that. There's a guy that's not getting enough minutes. And so he found a way to get himself into the game. Mm -hmm. Like, you can't tell me that that's a guy that doesn't want to play. Right? Guys Mm -hmm. don't go out and and create that type of opportunity if they don't want to play. And then he comes out and he says, I'm not getting enough ice time. So this was my way of getting out there. Like, what more do you want? I want this guy to want to play. And then he comes out the next night and gets a Gordie Howe hat trick. Yeah, he wants to play. Yeah. You know, if anything, I'm going to say we need another guy, you know, another 18 guys out there just like that that want to play. Right? Yeah. We need we need a whole team of guys that are out there trying to get into everything just to get ice time, but I don't, you know, I'm not I don't see that every night. I say, like Warren Fogel looks good. You know, there's a couple guys that and and some guys still get, have time to come. I don't know how long do we wait before we start calling out Connor Brown. I guess, right? Like that's you know he's he's been lackluster at best. It even even moved to the third line. You thought maybe maybe you see a little bit of bump and grind or something, but haven't seen anything there yet to uh, to really justify the big bonus that he's about to get in what. Five games, six games. What's it? Game five. twelve, he gets the game. Game five. five, he gets the bonus. Eleven. Eleven. He plays eleven. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. I mean, Evander Kane right now, outside of the obvious uh, Leon Drysaddle and Connor McDavid, and I wouldn't have said this, you know, two years ago or a year ago. 
uh, is my favorite oiler right now. This is a guy over the last two games has wow. really found a place in my heart. Like I, I love it. I love that he's coming out to play, and we need more of that. And do you see the excitement when he scored the goal in the third period? Yeah. Like that's you know that's good. I don't know your thoughts. I, I like the comments as well. It, it, you know, was he trying to be a smartass and funny to the media? I don't think there's any doubt about it. Um, did it come off perfectly? No. Um, you know, but ask our wives, does everything we say come off perfectly? I doubt it. Um, we're not in the media though, <laughs> or with, you know, talking to the media. Well, I guess we are now that said, um, I just thought that, uh, it showed a little bit of passion. It showed a little bit of, uh, I, I, you know, give it shit, you know, I want to play and, and there's nothing wrong with that. And I think that they both handled it perfectly when they addressed it in the media after the fact and all said and done, you got a promotion to the number one power play. So was it this week he got the grease or, you know, did this coach just appreciate the fact that the guy's got some passion? And my only final thought on that is I really appreciated what was said in our group thread when it was said that, you know, his first fight of the year was for him, but last night's fight was for the team. Yeah, and that's yeah, no, that was a great comment. That's not the Evander Kane that we probably saw with Atlanta and Winnipeg, and you know maybe even to Buffalo. But you know now we've got a veteran that knows that when we have Connor McDavid out of the lineup, that he has to step up in the way that Evander Kane. You know nobody's going to step in and be McDavid, so he's got to just be the best Evander Kane he can. And I think Fogel did that, and I think Kane did that. And outside of that, I don't know, man. Um. Again, not panicking. I, I don't think this is must win. I don't think like this is, you know, I, I could make a joke and just say, hey, remember that time in the year 2024 when we still got two, 100 points and we still made the playoffs and, and we started 1-4-1 one, and, one, and that was the motivation and diversity that we needed to face in order to galvanize early in the season. And aren't we glad we went 1-4-1 one, and because one it happened early and you know what I mean? <laughs> Like, this is ridiculous that, you know, there's tire fires going on around us. I, I'm not there yet. You never need to panic or judge until game 20, in my opinion. That all said, the flip side to that is <laughs> some stranger. I'm panicking. And I was talking to some stranger today, and I think we came to an agreement on this. But ultimately, the fact is that it's maybe not the record that's scary. I think we agreed on the fact that there's not much silver lining to look to right now. Like, what you know. What he keeps saying, this isn't our standard. We're not playing up to our standard. This isn't good enough. Well, Woody, what's what's our standard, bro? Because I don't know right now. You know, this isn't the team that went eighteen two and one down the stretch. It's not even close. No, we're only well, three players different, right? Like we're talk about that Austin, yeah, 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 right? Like that. That's yeah, the difference. There's no eighteen two and one. Are you kidding me? There's we're just no reason for this mistakes. Right now. We keep finding ways to lose and. I don't know what the problem is. I don't know what the magic button is. I've got a few suspicions and we can talk about it, but I'm, I'm just, I'm just your, don't call me sidekick buddy here. So I, you know, <laughs> I can't probably yeah, tell you yeah. what's going on in the room. I don't know the entire formula. So, I mean, we're involved, let's but go I back that, to this, uh, you know, this panicking and this, you know, where we are in the, in the year and everything. Yeah. I, I, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. You're going to segue at, uh, this to Woody, right? JB on uh, on Twitter and I, I was trying to look for the tweet, but you know she she made a good point, which is um, you know at how many games like insert here 
at how many games do we stop saying it's only been so many it's only been blank games right like at what point is it at what point do we start to panic i mean it's not you know i i'm not saying we need to panic today but shit we're you know they there's that old saying right like the the stanley cup isn't won in october but it's lost in october we can right? show concern yeah. and be worried that's different yeah. than smashing the panic button and you know, I thought you were going to use that and segue back to Woody because really, honestly, I think that a coach is a leader and supposed to set an example for his team. And I don't know about you, but right now, Woody's giving me panic vibe. Right? Well, that, like yeah, that was panic vibe right from, <laughs> right well, he from jumped to the one, nuclear option right? 24 yeah, yeah. and a half minutes into the season, right? Yeah. He went right back to those two and then he put them on a line the next year. He changed up his D pairings that he, he had the same D pairings and the same lines all through preseason. Then all of a sudden blenders on, right? So and we, it, you know, we never saw like panic Woody to me. Though, and I mean, the team's going to feel that, no? We never saw Woody go through rookie coaching mistakes. Right, like he he walked oh, onto the that. not in the same. I I mean he walked you know, onto the in Oilers. two straight playoffs. Yeah, exactly. He walked onto the Oilers. He immediately started doing well. Uh, he was he he did some great things. You know he you know in fact if you go back to when he started with the Oilers, what were the comments that came out from the team? Is ah, oh, it's nice. It's nice to get ice time again. Derek Ryan. Right? It's nice to have an identity. It's nice to be yeah. part of the game. It's nice. He how how long did it take him to? And I'm not coming down on Woody. I know you and no, I have no. had this conversation one on one as well. And neither one of us are willing to point fingers or jump on. You and I are both cheering for the guy. We both want him to be the guy that brought the cup back. We both want him to be. You know, let's. I hope there's a statue of Woody outside the stadium someday. You know what I mean? Like, I. But right now, like. Buddy, there's if there's ever been a glaring red flag and that I've seen, it's three too many men penalties in a game. Yeah. Like that's yeah, that, uh... that's on the coach, right? <laughs> I saw your tweet. Is like is Connor McDavid in charge of line changes as well? Because honestly, you know, and and I I I'm not sure if you heard his uh, availability, and he alluded to those too many men penalties. And one of the first defensive comments that came from him was, "Well, there was four. I don't know if you noticed, Ryan, but there was four. And the other team got one too. So I really think it was a focus by the ref. You know, I think the refs were really yeah. focused on something. I mean, uh, at least two of them. I missed I missed the third uh, third one. But at least two of those too many men penalties on the Oilers were absolutely awful. Pretty like, gregarious, for yeah. sure. And I mean, you know, I'd have to go back and look at what hasn't been called, I guess, to see how close those are in recent bias. But... You know, I'm sure that's just a deflection tool on his account, right? He doesn't want to blame the players. He doesn't want to take blame. But I don't know. There was, again, like we just talked about panicky Woodcroft. I feel like that availability, like he was a bit, there was a, I, I smelt a bit of blamey Woodcroft. Usually he's the first guy to fall on the sword for the team and talk, you know, about the mistakes he could have done better or saw. And, you know, he focuses on the positives, but there was a lot of, individual players made some pretty big mistakes and it cost us right and at what point in time is this system that he's implemented and he's brought to the team that isn't being executed properly fall on the fault of the coach instead of the players we have to well, think about that. we have to at least look at it you know i i can't help but think right like how different would 
Woodcroft be from a coaching perspective if he didn't come out first game of the season and lose 8-1, right? Like how, how much did it feel like the panic set in after game one? And how much of it comes from all of this talk, like the Oilers are going to win the cup, you know, cup or bust. And then we come out in, in game one, you lay, let out a stinker. And then all of a sudden, you know, it's nuclear option, it's changed the lines, it's do everything. Why not just like sit down, close the doors of the locker room and say, hey, guys, get your stuff together, right? Mm-hmm. Get your stuff together and, and, and get out there, which they did, mind you, right? Like they came out, you know, first shift of the game against Vancouver in game two. They, mm-hmm. they had it together. Hell of a but, start. But I think, you know, you you get back into this, and and it, this was the problem with Tippett in his latter mm-hmm. part of his career with the Oilers was you start to you start to think that the only guys that can get it done are Leon and Connor, mm-hmm. and once that once you get that mindset, uh, you know, I don't like Tippett couldn't get out of that, Fell and it led to traps, his demise, right? right? Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. And so, you know, at some point, and maybe like I, I fall, I fall short of this because nobody ever, ever, ever wants to lose the best player in their lineup. But at some point, maybe this is what needed to happen for the Oilers was mm-hmm. to get out of this. Connor McDavid has got to mm-hmm. be the savior of this team because this is a hell of a team mm-hmm. talent wise. And, and if you want to argue with me, I just, you're wrong. This is a hell of a team. We have the two best players in the league right now, which means that the best player in the league is still playing on our team, <laughs> right? Like, you know, that enough should say, hey, like and then you got a line. Hyman, mm-hmm. uh, R&H, and Fogel. The McLovin line. Yeah, they're, they're lighting it up. Man, they're doing awesome. Fogel's got two. They look good. They're they're getting in on the forecheck. Drysaddle should. I don't know why the Yanmark thing. If you want to bump somebody up, like Holloway or Brown, even and I, even though I was talking about Brown, Yanmark seemed a little bit of a strange call for me. But anyway, that's still t- two top two top lines in this league. One of them with the top, you know the top playing player in the league at this point in time, who was also, despite our record, uh, leading the leading the league in points at one point in the season already, right? Like he's he's good. And um I I don't know. If I'm if I'm Leon, I'm I'm a little bit uh maybe upset that you saddled me with Janmark, who is a fine third line winger. Right? But Leon's not going to be able to do it himself. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't skate like Connor, right? Like he needs guys that can put the puck in the net. Kane was a great addition to that. Uh, So you need a third guy on there. I hope they come back. I don't know. I haven't heard anything about practice today or did they have mandated day off possibly? Um, Yeah. I mean, there's, there's just, there's just a few things in this and we keep coming back. Um, Mike's listening in. Says Janmark on the top line was way down the list of things to pick apart last night. Sorry, I agree. Dogs, dogs upset. Uh, and, and Mike's right, but it's just one of a whole bunch of different things that you know that Woody needs to kind of get get in place. 
And I think just, people are picking the Yanmark thing apart specifically because of the accountability piece, right? I think, you know, he's, he made a pretty, one of those gunshot, self-inflicted gunshot mistakes the game before. And as a result, he gets jumped up to that line where it could be argued that Dylan Holloway has been our most consistent forward from the beginning of preseason until the end of game five. And if you're really talking about accountability in today's NHL coach, it's rewarded and taken away with ice time. And hundred percent, hundred percent. He needs to do that. Like he needed to sit Bush's ass on the bench or he needed to put, you know, Janmark. So where I, he was, I not promote think... him for a mistake in my opinion. And the thing is it, it was addressed today by Woodcroft and the conversation was based around how do I, as a coach reward ice time and take away ice time for accountability when we're playing 11 and seven and we got a guy hurt and there's nobody else even coming, you know, like, and it's not like he said those words and he deflected and said, you know, I'm, I'm focused on what I have, not what I don't have. But I think the conversation is valid. Yeah, I, I mean, there's look, we can't pick apart. Obviously, Yanmark's one piece of like a lot of things that are going wrong. Bouchard, yeah. you mentioned. Well, who are you going to put up on that line? Who's there? Yeah. You know, like the whole team's playing like hot garbage. Yeah, yeah. I mean, none of them are. I, I but you know, here's here is you know an opportunity to start to promote guys that that are doing the right things, right? Holloway, I mean, as I think, other than put the puck in the net, has played pretty well through through six games this year Mm -hmm. connor brown hasn't earned extra ice time that's for sure um but then again i mean i I, woody panicked after game one so none of these guys have really had a chance right like immediately he's gone to dry and mcdavid so you know like who's who's got the chance and then you play those guys, you know, half the game. The other guys well, sit, on the, should have been sit the on the bench, right? For me, that's what it is. Yeah. yeah, I think Holloway had to be the candidate. You know, like Fogel's playing on the McLovin line, and I mean that is his reward, right? I mean that's those are pretty, you know, McDay or sorry, uh, Nuge and Hyman are pretty good line mates. I'm sure, you can put them up with Dry, but why break up the chemistry you have there? So, yeah. you know, and maybe think- he could have got that first power play spot instead of Kane. Right. But he also proved a lot of what he was doing well in the last game. So we'll see how he reacts next game. I'm very curious to see how Woodcroft deploys the lines for the next one now. Yeah. And then at some point, though, you got to have, you know, run with it for a little bit. Nothing I like drives me nuts more than when the coaches decide that, you know, we didn't see enough. Right. Like you, as, if you're changing every single game, you're not going to build mm-hmm. any chemistry. Right. And we haven't seen other than when McDavid's in the lineup, McDavid and Drysidle together. And those guys, you know, you put them together, they're just going to do all right. You know, they're going to do well. Mm -hmm. And in fact, I'd love to, uh, uh, Lotzi, and for those of you guys who who are listening and don't know him, Ryan Lotzberg writes for heavyhockey.com. He put some numbers together and uh, I'm waiting for him to come out with it. But he said that the nuclear option is not as nuclear as we, for the team as we would like to believe. And so I want to, I want to see those numbers when he gets to that. Uh, Hopefully he does an article on that because um, to me, that's something that I think, I think it does. I think it hurts the team overall when you go that route. Now, last game, (laughs) there's no, no option for that. 
Let's mm-hmm. um let's switch gears and talk about uh Bouchard. Because he's um prime time. I thought we'd save that for the entire second half hour, <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> and uh, you know what? Thing. I mean it's a good point. We got five minutes before break. Uh maybe we maybe we'll save that. Let's that's a good point. We'll save that for um for the second half hour uh right now. Um First I, I am really curious to see how things get deployed over the next few games, right? Like this was their first chance to take a look at what happened, have a lineup put together without McDavid, sans McDavid. A lot of people thought, all right, well, let's let's look at the silver lining. Nobody wants to see 97 hurt ever in any situation on earth, ever, 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 ever. But if it happens, you look back to the penguins of the world. Malkin won our trophy. Yeah. And Sid was hurt. Oh, by the way, when did Dry win a Hart Trophy? Yeah, yeah. The last time Connor was hurt. You know, and that's to your point. We still got the best player in the world on our team, even when Connor's not playing. So this team may have had problems last year where they were deferring too much. And I think even as a young team and a young player, oh, I just better get the puck to McDavid. Right? Like, that's the last thing you want is a criticism from the team, coach, media, or some asshat on Twitter that's going to break it down and say, oh, Jesus, Dashney didn't pass to McDavid on three straight shifts. What a moron. Right? Like, these guys don't always have to default to those two. So, like, there's a culture within the team of having to rely on Connor and Leon. And, you know, like, like I said earlier, Woodcroft is, is giving me panicky vibes. He's giving me, like, what, I don't know what to do doing with this team vibes. I know that. Right, right, like, like he's that's doing nothing to dispel it. He's putting them out. Yeah, there. yeah, yeah, exactly, right. And so, like, you that shakes down to the rest of the team. I think, and I don't know. I just like now's your opportunity. Right now, all the reasons that you don't go to the nuclear option are to get guys involved. It's to give everybody a role. It's to split up the ice time. It's to get multiple lines going. It's to have other people step up and be an on-ice leader and an in-dressing room leader. It's an uh, oppor- Production is a product of both skill and opportunity. I heard Craig McTavish say that. You need that opportunity in order to be able to show that you have skill to be able to produce. And nobody's getting that opportunity when the nuclear option's on the ice all the time. So this should be that, you know, anti-Lotsy experiment on the other side of the ledger that shows Right when we don't have the option, if it's better for us, prove it. Here we are right now. Prove it, Oilers. Like that. Let's see it. Like that's what's gonna. That's what's gonna show us whether we've got diversity. This gives us a reason to fight through something. This gives us a reason to galvanize earlier. Like I said, I hope we look back at this and go, man, that was awesome that McDavid only got hurt for two weeks and three games. And it galvanized the team, and we never looked back. Yeah. Yeah. No, and I mean, I can't say it any better than that. I mean, that's that's exactly it. It's got to be. It's got to be right now. It's got to be. Prove it. All of those things they got to prove themselves. Execute it. Uh, and they did it the last time he was out. Right, like uh, mm-hmm. you know, Drysaitel led the charge. That's why he won the heart. Mm-hmm. Right. He looked. He looked like Drysaitel. I thought. Last night, now, you know, I don't got to stay away from this Yanmark thing, but thought last night he, he could have looked a little bit better. Um, 
you know, but uh, again, he seemed like, I don't know, what was his end result in minutes? I'll have to go to natural stat trick on that. How many minutes did he play? Uh, I mean, I had this uh, concern last night that, um, you know, at some point maybe, um, right, like he was going to be playing 40, <laughs> 40 minutes for the night last night. Yeah. So let's uh, let's have a look here. Uh, I think minutes were by right committee here. from what I, I didn't break it down, but from what I've heard and ultimately so, the five on five minutes are what matter, right? Yeah. Yeah, total minutes, uh, not too bad, 22-37. Still highest minutes total on the ice. A lot of that's power play, of course. Um, All right. You know what? When we get back, uh, we're going to chat about... um, Defensive awareness. Defensive awareness, Bouchard. Probably talk a little bit about systems. Uh, A lot of those things. Uh, We're going to take a minute break. This is Oilers Live from the Heavy Hockey Network. Proud to be a friend of Edmonton Sports Talk. Uh, We'll be right back. Join Devin, Bruce, and the rest of the fantasy hockey hacks right here on Edmonton Sports Talk, Wednesdays at 9 p.m. Mountain. 